What's up, you dirtbags? Before we dive into this episode, I want to give a huge shout out to one of our day one supporters, Kinetic Leasing. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you've definitely heard us talk about them. Uh, they are our go-to team for money questions and also getting approved for financing. Uh, not only do they help us, but they help many others that listen to the podcast get approved for financing. It's an application only financing up to $250,000 on approved credit. Uh, they have fast approvals and you can save cash with no money down. At the very least, just give them a call, see what you can get approved for, and then check your rates. A couple ways you can reach out to them. You can give their office a call. It's at 701-476-0221. Just make sure to mention that the Dirtbag sent you and uh, they'll definitely help you out. And then you can also email them, sales at kineticlease.com. We also have all of their information on the Dirt Bags podcast website. So go check them out, tell them we sent you, and uh, let's get into it. All right, what's up, you Dirt Bags? My name is Luke Agabratton. We've got the We got Heineken the waters Zero. on deck tonight, Luke. Dude, what? oh, I got a Heineken Zero. You got so. a Heineken, but it's non-alcoholic, so that... It's like That's water true. anyway. That's true, but it tastes pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got a big gulp here. So big water, but we just yeah. got off of probably an hour long meeting with the man, Jason Spangle and Durvin, um, Esh's Septic and Dig It Excavating. Luke, we are speaking at the Michigan uh, Septic Tank Conference here on Valentine's Day. We are speaking. We are speaking and I'm honestly looking forward to it. It's like this would be my second considered like public speaking. I would say Con Expo was probably my first. I mean, what a way to start though. Like at Con Expo, it's like, well, yeah, there was a the room you were speaking in, especially was massive. That was a fun, and, yeah. That was a fun time. That was yeah. So so that was a great setup. But yeah, I mean, this one will be in Michigan. I don't know how often you've visited Michigan, but this would only be my second time ever. And so um it'll be fun to check it out. I hear the conference is at a casino. So Perfect. we can just walk down, you know, player blackjack hands. Yeah. Double our 11s, probably double my 10 against the seven all day know, long, all day long. So yeah. that, that'll be fun though. Um, if anyone, I guess, lives in Michigan, uh, you, we asked them tonight so you can, anyone can come and come to the conference. It's, there's like a member fee. It's like a hundred some dollars. And then if you're not a member, it's like 400 some, but I think we're doing, you're speaking on Monday. I think I'm speaking on Tuesday and then we're going to do some sort of live podcast uh, within the show as well. It sounds like the vendors that they have lined up are actually pretty cool vendors too. I know they were trying to get Encom there and then a few other big names. So it'd be fun to fun to actually talk to those guys in person, you know, and just kind of firsthand meet them. Yeah. And it's one of those shows, dude, where it's, I mean, Con Expo brings in 120,000 people. This one, you know, it's like 300 maybe all in Michigan and you know, the vendors there's, there's going to be probably 35 vendors. So we'll probably get to know a lot of them over the three day uh, show there. Absolutely. No, looking forward to that. And Luke, this is your, how many speaking you've done a lot of public speaking here lately. What would this be? Yeah. I, so 10th, 8th, probably, I think I'm in the twenties now. So hell yeah. um, Yeah. So 2023, I was just talking to my dad about this. Um, I said, you know, 2023, I'm going to speak as much as possible, uh, basically for free. You know, I'll probably get some expenses cleared here and there. And then, um, but my goal is that 2024, I'm going to book up, you know, this is going to be my next chapter of business is speaking professionally, hopefully. 
and, um, and then getting, you know, a speaker fee for it. And so, yeah, 2023 was awesome. Like we spoke to high schools, colleges, con expo, um, septic conferences, and just anywhere that would take me. Um, I said, you know, no problem. I'll fly out there. A lot of times I just covered my own flights and everything, but, uh, it, it helped a lot because it helped with like some of that stage fright. And it's just like, man, if you can talk to, uh, septic owners on Vancouver Island that have never heard of me, I can probably talk to, you know, anyone else. So it, it puts you in some uncomfortable situations, but at the end of the day, like nobody's going to get mad at you or anything. And it's, it's they're all there to learn. Yep. Yep. Exactly. hundred percent. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. Um, but Luke, we kind of, we're doing kind of a rant topic tonight. Well, yes, sir. So first, bef- we, before, before that, but yes, rant. obviously rant tonight. Yeah, so, so everybody you, listening knows. You texted me, we got a rant topic on deck, but before we dive into that, we have to address, I was going to say the elephant in the room, but that's not really the case. It's just, you made an announcement the other day on social media. I think we've talked about it a little bit before, mm-hmm. but black iron dirt um january 1st 2024 is gonna be no longer so no longer uh, i want to dive into that a bit because even myself you know we can learn a lot from it but everyone listening to i want to start with the logistics of it and then we can get more into like the emotional stuff of like you know how it actually feels and stuff like that but logistically why is black iron dirt going away logistically it just makes sense to have one company i tried to kind of explain it in my post but i was like i i'm gonna keep the short simple and kind of to the point but basically throughout this year we were already operating as like western fully but black iron still had its name on you know there's different different things that black iron is registered registered for as far as like award systems and things like that that they'll still run and operate and you know dig house foundations under basically but it was like a 2080. So 20% of like true black iron work. And then the remaining was like an 80%. And we saw a lot of like confusion. They're like, mm-hmm. well, we have Western excavating as the contractor here. And we're having black iron pickups show mm-hmm. up, you know? So that was, that was kind of like the leading and we're Cole and I are like, mm, maybe we should just operate under one name. And obviously kind of saw how the year went and, we're like, yep, that's the right choice. Um, but I mean, it's a lot simpler than people think too. And I mean, we went with people ask, well, why didn't you keep black iron name? Personally, I think it's elementary. You know, when somebody calls me and they're like, oh, hey, is this black dirt iron? And I'm like, black iron dirt. Yeah, this is Luke, you know, compared to, oh, hey, is this Western excavating? It's just, it's easier to say off the tongue. It, it sounds a little bit more professional and, yeah. you know, there's, there's not anyone that has a logo like ours and, you know, yep. kind of the branding like we do as far as like black iron, there was, you know, there was four or five people in our area that have names similar to ours and machines that are black. And, you know, so it lost some of its swagger in a way. Sure. Um, off of that too, it, it's kind of like a new chapter, a new beginning because you started Western in 2022 and obviously it took off, um, in a league of its own, but just it's different work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, black iron started with the skid and the mini and grew to what it was. And now Western came in, it was a totally different company. So I feel like it's almost simpler too, just to say like, 
this is more of what we are going to be doing in the future and yep. this is less of it. And so kind of just turning the page on, on black iron, but um, you also mentioned in your post too, which I think is totally relevant uh, the expectation of having black equipment of, yep. you know, it's with Western, it's like, yeah, you can have whatever color you want or you can do anything you want. Um, yep. with bl- black iron dirt. If you show up with a, a cat yellow, 325 yeah yeah no that was that was a big thing and you know black was harder to get so we had ordered a couple skids and you know cat shut the paint booths down and they're like oh luke sorry can't get black anymore and you know that was that was kind of a struggle but as far as like you know jumping the two businesses together we're st- black iron still gonna or you know western's still gonna do the stuff that black iron did right? They're, they're going to dig the basements. They're going to do some of that small piddly shit that we did. The demos, you know, all of that will now just be held under Western and right. hopefully, you know, it'll improve some of the cash flows and then how Cole and I are setting it up. So black iron is a doing business as I own a, I own a separate company. It's called LDP enterprises, which are my initials. So that is what has bought and paid for a lot of the equipment that black iron uses. So Cole and I figured, we we're not going to buy that equipment from Western. It's already bought. Mm-hmm. Why would we buy it twice? So we're basically LDP is going to become a rental store in a way to where I'm going to rent the pieces on a monthly basis to Western and get, you know, a monthly, whatever that is back just to cover yeah. those costs. And then, you know, plus a little or something. So how many, how many pieces is that? Oh, I have a list. It's like, it's quite a few. Cause there's, there's quite a few pickups um i think it's i think the list is close to like 25 trailers pickups dump trucks hose dozers yeah you know ldp's got two dozers western's got one uh and you know so yeah and then it'll just look a lot more uniform hopefully take away some of that confusion with you know the people that we work with sure yeah and i I, it's a little less distracting for you and cole as well of just like okay who's on this job or what where is this being built? It's similar in a little bit. You know, we were talking to Jason about that of having two different companies and yep. billing it differently and figuring out which one's which. But now you can put all your time, resources, energy when you talk about what you do, what you own. It's Western. I yeah. mean, that's what it is. 100%. And that was the thing, too. It's like, okay, we have two businesses. They can do the same thing, they have the same equipment. Who's going to bid on what project? Right. Sure. If I've got a commercial project in this area and they send it to Black Iron. Well, you know, to me, I would, I would think, well, I think Western should bid on this because that's kind of in the realm, but then that also takes revenue away from black iron. So it's like, it was a give and take. So that's where that compromise had to be made. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like, we recently had this, um, kind of, I guess you'd say issue as well with phaser and dirtwork marketing and what we thought was going to be a good idea of having two separate companies and two separate agencies one where I own 100%, one where I'm partnered 50-50. Mm-hmm. On paper, it looks like a good idea. And then as you start doing it, it's like there's a, so much overlap and spillage. And it's like, maybe this doesn't really work. And it's it's really nobody's fault. It's just mm-hmm. like psychology and human nature. And it it's just not meant to work that way. And so you right. said that in your post too, of just like you know having the two companies just didn't make as much sense mm-hmm. that do the same thing essentially. Yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't. It, I mean, it doesn't really make sense because why have two of the same things? You know, yeah. it's like it's like driving two pickups. Why not just have one? You know, 
I'm sure you're gonna get a lot. Maybe, of hate. Uh, maybe you're gonna a get bad, a lot of hate mail yeah. for that one. Probably, but yeah, it, you know. But yeah, either way, we're we're anxious for it. And you know, Cole, we decided we're like, hey, come December, let's make a post, let's make it known. And honestly, yeah. I mean, I've gotten some, I've gotten mixed like reviews from people on it. I had a phone call conversation today, and the guy was just dogging on me about how I was talking about like revenue and. He's like, you almost like put yourself on a pedestal. I'm like, well, that wasn't the point. Like, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal and say, hey, look what we got. You know, I'm like, this is this is what it has grown for from doing, you know, 500 grand the first year to now this year, we're well over 10 million. And people yeah. are like, oh, can't believe you put that out there. I'm like, really? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. It, was it was it was a very weird conversation. And then there were some people that were like, hey, super cool. Didn't know you guys had that much growth. You know, one of the guys, Chris Lil is his name, commented on it. And I had followed him on LinkedIn for a while, but he yeah. didn't understand like our scope and what we were able to take on. Right. And I was talking to him a little bit. And he's like, Luke, I always wanted to reach out, but I always thought you guys were smaller and that's what you did. So when yeah. you talked about your revenue base, he's like, I knew like you can take on a lot of our projects too, or at least bid on them. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, it's too bad. The people that get upset about talking about numbers and, you know, when you surround yourself with people that do talk business and they do talk about revenue, it's, it's never helped me. Uh, nothing else has helped me more than that is talking to other people that are open to share their, their numbers, their profits, their struggles, their triumphs, what works, what doesn't. And it's, it's too bad that you have to keep a closed door and not share where you're at. And it's, it's probably the 1% of people that think you're boasting about that, but hundred percent, yeah, everyone else knows that off. you're, yeah, everyone else knows that you're not like that. And so it's yeah. but uh yeah, and then so like as you're, you know, kind of dissolving or like kind of joining the companies, um, what happens on the side of like, you know, Instagram? I know you have Western Excavation and Western X one now, yep. which is was Black Iron. How does that transition so, work? What we'll do with those social medias, like that Western X one will be Western excavation. We'll delete the Western excavation one that's yeah. on there right now, just because they, I mean, we've got 5,900 followers or whatever, but it, it has a lot more of the posts. It has a lot more of the interaction than the old Western excavation does. And yeah. Yeah. It, so Cole will have that password and we'll just, we'll just share that account basically. So yeah. Simplicity, same thing. Yep. Um, same thing. And then as far as like website stuff um, or cause you'll have blackirondirt.com just forward that to the western, to the western. Site. yep cool. yep and i don't know you and i will have to talk on that but obviously for people that still know black iron that maybe don't have me on facebook or linkedin you know when yeah. it gets shot to another website maybe we'll have to have a thing of you know western takeover black iron or whatever yeah you know? and so. it's it's a, that's a great point too because you want to you know because what you think you're doing right now is eliminating confusion but mm -hmm. you could also create more confusion create more. of people yeah. that only know black iron don't know about western so yeah right. we can definitely talk about that and you know that transition of you know just telling that story as well but um dude that's exciting though so jan yeah, one that's going away and then do you think it will yeah and like you said too i mean some extra people reaching out are you going to send anything out to the black iron customers um that you've had worked with or is that kind of just understanding that it just kind of under, I like the, like the home builders and people that sure. we, you know, work with a lot, obviously, you know, I'll let them know and just, you know, give them everything they need. Like, Hey, this is our new, you know, this is you. my new contact. This is my new email. 
it'll be under this company. I'll get you all of our information as far as, you know, W9s, insurances and sure. all of that. So it's, it's a pretty easy process. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Black Iron did, you know, people know that it was what we owned Western too. So it'll, you know, obviously, like you said, alleviate that confusion, but then, you know, I think it'll be a pretty seamless like integration. So yeah, no, it's probably one of the uh, simplest integrations you could have yep. considering everything that uh, goes on with business of, you know, purchasing other businesses and buying out partners and, and yep. all that stuff. So th this one should be fairly straightforward. Yep. And we're Cole and I are looking right now, we've talked about it a little bit, but we we've been in conversation with a local plumbing company here. And we're, we're diving in through the financials right now. We're doing the financial audits and we're hoping to make something happen here within the next month or two, because mm -hmm. we want, we want to acquire them and, you know, Cole and I want to be our master plumbers. So we're working on that. That would be sweet. So that's yeah, exciting. I mean, that's exciting, man. And then obviously for 2024, like there's already, you know, changes looking into it, but, um, you guys shot up so quick. So is is the next stage. I mean, you're implementing EOS, just like systemizing everything and making it. Yeah. We, we are not growth oriented next year. Yeah. I want to keep the same crews. I want to keep the same guys. I don't really want to take anybody else on at this time. Excuse me, just cause I want to get those systems in place. And I really want to kind of like define how we work, who works good together and the projects that we want to take on. You know, once we, once we really hammer that stuff down, sure. Then we'll grow again. I mean, we've, yeah we, we proved that we can grow pretty fast, um, and we can, we can maintain it, but now it's delivering the product that we want people to know Western excavation as. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can't ever lose sight of the quality and nope. the value that you're trying to provide. So, uh, you can definitely grow too fast or, yep. um, I always like, um, Jocko talked about this is like, you know, as you're, um, down scope and you're, you know scanning you always need to like pull your head back for a sec and like look look around, look around. Yeah. and so he he uh, related it to business though like yes if you grow quickly that's great but then you need to like pull your head up fix what's broken because things yep. are going to break and then and continue then on continue on exactly yeah. so that's really um, good advice and also too i mean that could be a few months that could be a few years um, but the thing is is like you know you just want to make sure that you're running at a healthy um, pace and that your, the product that you're providing or the service keeps up with like how people perceive you because 100%. your reputation is going to be everything. And if you ruin that, I mean, it's, uh, that's you're not in business anymore. If you've got a bad reputation, that's what you're known for. There's, there's a company here that, you know, they were, they came in hot, they came in heavy three years later, all of their equipment's on auction right now. And it's because they did not provide the service that they told everybody that they could. And like you said, you know, people, people always think if you grow too fast and you say you buy too much stuff, you can't afford it. That's a really big concern, right? But the fast growth and not understanding how to operate when you are to a certain size, I feel like that kills businesses way faster. Yeah. I mean, organization is the, is the biggest thing in success in business. I feel like or yeah. understanding the operations and just having everything in place. And again, you don't know everything until you go through it, but at least you can take that step back and be like, okay, here's what we need to focus on. Here's what needs to get implemented. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but for anyone listening, I just finished a book that 
it blew my mind. It's called a uh, simple numbers, straight talk, big profits. And it's for, it's for the person, which is perfect for me. That isn't like a spreadsheet nerd or not a yep. number nerd, but I love business. I like making businesses work. And at the end of the day, business is pretty simple. A lot of times, you know, there has to be profit to grow and to pay your people and to keep this thing running. And so um, that book dumbs it down so far, but then it dives into the weeds and uses examples and charts and it's it's incredible so um for anyone that wants a good read um definitely buy that book let me know what you think but it uh and you you need to and that kind of goes into another point like you need to read books but also talk to mentors that understand your way of thinking because i'm sure you've done it too where you've talked to somebody and you're like dude i can't even like pick up anything you're putting down right now and it's i'm having a really tough time getting to know you know, what you're trying to teach me here. Then you talk to other people and you're like, this is, this makes sense. I, what I thought were problems were just, it's just, I'm wired differently. Right. And so, um, you know, making sure that you're talking with those people that, that understand you and get you can, can really help. Definitely. No. And having those conversations with like-minded people, it definitely gives you kind of like a sense of, oh, okay. I'm not the only one that experiences. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Like, okay. Other people have this same problem too. Okay. What did you do? You know? So, and there's a lot to learn with that. Um, I wanted to backtrack just a second to where the book you said you just read. Yeah. Okay. I want to read that book, but I've been investigating AI lately. I've been in wormholes of it. Okay. Yep. And apparently there's a software coming out. I'm not going to name it because I want to be the first to implement this, but it's, but it's like a systems AI. Okay, because you you basically create tasks and you, you know, you would how we do it, we share our Google Drive. Okay. Then we would share like our, you know, profit losses. Yep. And it would create like these basically data forms of where we're losing money, where yep. where our schedule has been off, to where you don't have to do that internally. Right. So right. I am super pumped for that to come out. I it'll probably be about a year until it's fully out there, but I've been in some wormholes to try to find that. Yeah, dude, that's huge. And the the great part about it is if anyone wants to use it, your numbers have to be accurate. Your right, right. shit has to be organized. And, yep, exactly. And that's what I love about it because it brings out, usually it'll bring out the best in you. It's like if, if you feed it false data or if you feed it unorganized numbers, like if you don't even have a profit and loss statement, there's mm-hmm. your first problem. Right. And it forces you to go back and organize your business. So it, uh, that, that sounds awesome though. That sounds yeah. like a good tool. That's going to save you a lot of time. Um, and I'm just going to go right into this. I was talking to my dad today. We had our annual biz meeting. And mm. so we, we go through our businesses, we talk numbers, we talk goals, wins, losses next year. Cool. And it's really cool. So we've been doing that every year now. And what, one of my things I'm working on that he's working on as well is acting more like a, and I don't like the word CEO, but that's what I'm going to call it is, you know, understanding your numbers and your business better than anyone. And so I think a lot of us are really good at what we do, but we don't have like our finger on the pulse of like knowing where everything's going and why. And so getting in a habit of mine's going to be Monday, every Monday, I'm going to have these four reports that I input. So as an example, mine would be um, clients gained and clients lost. And so just looking at that data. Um, and then another one could be profit and loss. You know, mm-hmm. how are we looking as far as profits and how much are we spending 
per client and just making sure that everyone that we're servicing is happy. So going through that, but anyway, going through that every single Monday. So I get in the habit. And then at the end of each month, zooming out a little bit and looking at the business more as a whole. And so that in theory will help me um, just have my. It'll give you more clarity. Yes, exactly. Understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So I, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, we were talking about that. And if anyone wants to, or if anyone has any ideas on that, I could definitely use them because, um, you know, I want to be even more involved than I think I am already, if that makes sense. All right, you dirtbags, we're going to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors, Lambert Insurance Services. If you know Luke and I, you know we started this podcast to provide value to the construction industry. When we went to seek out an insurance company to work with, there's not a whole lot that are specific to the industry. And we really didn't want to work with a generalist agency. So we kind of put that on the back burner. Then we got to meet Sam Lambert. Sam is a fellow dirtbag himself. He's been in the industry for a long time, but he also started his insurance company in 2008, specifically for construction companies. So when we had that conversation, we knew that this would be the perfect match. Uh, So we started working with him and he's been incredible. He leads first. He wants to be a resource first and an insurance agency second. They can help with provide general liability, workers comp, commercial truck insurance, insurance for equipment, and so many more different avenues that he can provide coverage for. The great part about it is, you know, they're licensed in most states and they always quote through multiple companies. So that's how you know you can get a competitive rate. And even better, uh, Sam, he's the owner. He wanted to provide his cell number just so if you have any questions, specifically from the dirt bags, you can always text him, give him a call, ask to compare plans or just ask, you know, what his rates would be. And then he can help direct you to the right place or answer your question from there. His number is 385-204-5799. Or you can reach them at their website, which is lambert-ins.com. So reach out to him if you have any insurance questions. We're very excited about this partnership. Uh, Sam is an awesome guy and uh, we're just excited to continue providing value for all you dirtbags. So thank you, Lambert Insurance. Give him a text, shoot him a call, let him know that you're fans of the Dirtbags podcast. All right, you dirtbags. Are you tired of tedious manual data collection and costly field studies in your quarry or sand and gravel operations? Let's talk about Vantage Point, the first quarry operation software crafted to meet the high demands of modern data-driven quarrying. Seamlessly connect all of your equipment data and access the crucial information you need instantly. Be the hero of your operation by boosting efficiency, exceeding your productivity goals, and bottom line revenue with Vantage Point. Discover why four of the top six aggregate material producers in the U.S. are using Vantage Point. Visit vantagepointquarry.com dirt to learn more. Pretty cool. You'll have to, you'll have to keep me up to date on how that goes and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun. And and I think a big thing of it too, is you kind of have to pull yourself out of, you know, out of the dirt or out of the muck, I guess, of like doing everything in your business. So then you can pull your head up and make those type of decisions. Correct. Correct. Speaking of doing things, 75 heart, how's it going? It's been good, man. It's been really good. Um, I think as of this recording, I think we're on day 15 and yeah, dude, it's, um, the workouts have been great. Um, diet has been good. Uh, my diet's pretty easy. It's I'm 
trying to gain weight. And so a lot of carbs, a lot of meat. Yep. Um, so no issues there. Just no, no fast food, no pop, no desserts, nothing like that. So that's pretty easy. The no alcohol is easy. I don't mind NAs tossing in a little jerky chew, a little teriyaki, get a buzz going. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of people that are doing it too alongside me. And so it's like, that's pretty cool. But, um, cool. I was doing some quick math and I think I will be done by the time we go to Michigan. Beautiful. So I was like, dude, that's perfect. Oh um, yeah. So it, it it's good, man. It's, it's really good for me. And it's not like a punishment to me, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I can be so much better than what I have been. And yep. so it's a little bit of that, I think of, yep. I can push myself further and, um, yeah, it's, it, it's been good though. It's a fun challenge. hundred percent. That's, that's how I look at it. It's more of just a challenge of like, man, if I can't do this, like I can't do anything. So, Correct. you know, go, go get it done. We've got our, our marathon coming up here in like 10 days. Um, that'll be fun. Yeah. So, so that'll be a fun challenge as well, but you know, just trying to trying to push ourselves a bit harder and, and uh, do some fun stuff along the way. Absolutely. Well, hats off to you, man. Way to go. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So let's, uh, I, if we didn't already do the rant, let's dive into one I'm super excited about. You texted me, I think it was today, um, retainage. So, you know, talking through how that affects your business. So for somebody like me and maybe some other people listening, um, retainage, you know, I've been around it, but also like, give me a refresher of like what it is and how you see it in your business. So retainage is money held from any commercial project, right? There's companies that structure it differently, but I would say 90% of the time it's a 10%. So say you bid a project at 500 grand, right? If you bill out that entire 500, you're going to have $50,000 held up in re in retainage. That retainage is, you know, held by the contractor until usually there's some instances to where they'll do like a 5% release after the project is halfway done. And then the five, the remaining five goes to the contractor after final sign off from the owner. And sometimes that can take, fuck, you think of building like, 12, 18 months, you know, to where you don't see that. And, you know, we're seeing it in Fargo. And I explained this to a couple of the guys the other day and Cole and I were talking about it because, you know, everybody's curious about Christmas bonuses. And I'm like, I got to figure out where we are here, guys. Cause yeah. you know, I was like, this is, we, we got to figure out things. We got to see where all of our money's going and all this, but retainage was huge because mm -hmm. so Becky, I had her put a list of all of our billables and then our total retainage. And I'm showing them that and I'm like, this is money we haven't even seen yet. You know, mm -hmm. say, say you bill out 5 million, right? You've got 500 grand in just retainage, which is wild because you won't see that for another, you know, 12, 18, 24 months until that project is completed. Again, there are some to where they'll do like a halfway release, which is great. But even then, I mean, in, in an aggressive area to where you want to try to gain work or, you know, bid work and win it, you know, you're bidding on a, 12 to maybe 15%. So say you're on a 2% net without any retainage to make any money. You have to be so perfect with how you bid that job and try to find ways to maybe, you know, make some more of that up. But a lot of people don't factor that into their business. You know, Cole and I definitely didn't think it would be a huge deal until we were looking at all the numbers. And we're like, that is a huge number that, you know, 
say we wanted to give the guys, you know, 10 grand, five grand for the Christmas bonuses, whatever, that could be that full retainage amount. Now we have to make that up somewhere else, you know, and that's, nobody really talks about it either, but it's just, it's just widely known in the commercial industry. Retainage is always going to be taken. So let's back up. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit. So let's say 500 K project, 10% retainage. Um, what would your typical profit margin be on that 500 K site? Depends on, package? depends on where it's at. Right. Yeah. Like say we bid a $500,000 job in South Dakota and we're traveling six hours either way from Fargo or Bismarck or wherever. And we have good relationship and, you know, say we bid it at a 40%, sure. right. Those will have good margins on them, but it's like you're in town stuff of you know fargo mainly I'll, I'll pick on fargo but where you have a big abundance of companies yeah. that are all kind of fighting for the same thing to where if you bid under you know say say you win a project at an eight percent you're losing two percent of that money right off you know you won't see two percent or excuse me an eight percent margin you know that retainage you're basically back you know however many percent from the project start if that makes sense mm, yeah so you know? so so you're saying that it potentially would be like an 8% margin and you're given 10% for retainage right away. Correct. That's Correct. Gonna be- well, and they're, they're taking 10% out is how mm. it works. So like, you know, per month you send out your checks yeah. then they hold 10% of your monthly billings to them. Right. And that is your retainage. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, if you're bid at an 8%, you know, you're not going to see any profit until that project is done. Yeah. And then, and like you, know, you and said, you too, yeah. And like you said, too, that's if everything goes right. Correct. And it, you have to keep it tight and you have to execute very, very well. well. So, uh, second thing I had is that typically negotiable, or I suppose it probably totally depends on how many contractors are bidding on it or yeah. retainage is usually never non negotiable because it is a way of protecting the contractor for like work that still has to be done in a way, yeah. or if something wasn't completed, I get why it's there. Yeah. But I feel like if, if we were to have like a really good relationship with a general contractor, we could maybe get away with the 5% at halfway mark, but they would okay. still keep that remaining five towards the end of sign off. Interesting. You know? So yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. That's kind of what I was going to ask too. Cause you mentioned the 5%. I was just wondering, yeah, like, would that be talked about up front? So say you have a good relationship with a, a GC yeah. and then, yeah, so there'd be 5%. Obviously that would be more ideal because mm-hmm. then you get some of it back and then the 5% at the end instead of the full 10. Correct, yeah. That's usually negotiated right when you get a contract, right? You'll see retain a child. You'll see it in your disclosures, right? And you can try to negotiate it. We always try to negotiate that out of our contracts, but there's a lot of new companies we're a new company to a lot of these GCs, right? So it's there, right. it's it's like a trust thing for them. Like we need this to kind of understand who you guys are, how you operate and things like yeah. that. So I get it, you know, Yeah. but the contractor basically funds that project, right? you know, and then they get their profits a year later, which is, which is tough for a business to sustain. Yeah. So I got another one for you then. Is it, um, is there a certain size of project that takes retainage or is it just when you work with a GC or all commercial projects will take retainage. all commercial projects, all commercial projects. Yep. All general contractor projects will take retainage. 
Gotcha. So obviously residential wouldn't make any sense for no residential doesn't hold retainage you know their retainage is like if you don't if you take 50 percent, you know before you start you know their retainage is paying the remaining 50 after the project is done you know if you just have a lot faster of a lead time because your scope for a residential is probably a lot different than a full you know building going up you right. know so it's still oh, kind of there but it's, yeah i got you because residential you know, it's yeah the, the timetable is way yeah, different yeah way different say i dig a basement right for a for a residential home contractor you know i don't i bill for everything that we've done and then you know say come a year later the house is done and it's spring and they need a rough grade well i don't bill for the rough grade because that wasn't completed they don't right. hold retainage but that you know whatever that dollar amount still holds me to doing that job yeah. So, uh, so some of the new guys that want to get into commercial, do you, it, have you seen, is this typically something that they know about, have never heard about, understand, like what's your, been your background with that? It should be known about. Cause I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not hidden. Like it's not, not something that they try to hide from you, but yeah. I don't think a lot of people like understand the effects of it because, you know, sure. say you do, you know, 3 million in a year. Okay. And you start those projects towards the late summer you're not going to see 300 grand of your money until the next year, you know? So with that 300 grand, you know, how are you going to front that basically is that's, that's the hardest concept to grasp because, you know, you as a sub under the GC, you're going to have lower tier subs is what it's called. And when they do work for you, you don't hold any retainage from them. You know, you're paying all up front. So it's, it's an interesting world. You know, you got to get creative. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's just keep going on that. Like what would, from what you've learned probably and what you're currently learning, like how do you budget that and how do you, what do you recommend to do? Like, do you just set us, try to set aside as much as you can to front that? That you gotta, I mean, what's really helped us, we've got a, we've got a great established credit line through our bank. Yeah. And you know, that helps because that'll help, you know, flow expenses. And then once we get our cash flow, then you pay that down and whatever, you know, another thing with that credit line kind of off the retention topic is vendors, you know, paying those vendors, like we do site utilities, they will not deliver any of that piping material until it's paid for. And guess what? You can't bill the general contractor for that material until it's dropped off. So who's floating that? We are, you know, and those are things people don't think about because it's like, which I get, you don't, you can't take something from the store and be like, invoice me. Sure. You know, so you have to pay for it before they deliver it. But then say, say they deliver it on a, on the 27th. Okay. You can't bill for that material for another month on that payoffs because payoffs are usually done towards the end of the month. Cause so then you've got 30 days and then on top of that, hopefully a minimum of another 30 days. So you're 60 days by holding that material. Wow. Yeah, it, dude, it, it, there's a lot of things like I didn't quite grasp until we got put in it. And they're like, you owe us 150 grand for these materials. Well, I need those on site. Okay, we'll pay for them. Well, I have an invoice for them yet. Not our problem. You're right. It's not your problem, you know? Man, I have a, a good friend of mine that's a client. Olivia and I were talking to him and he... um you know, big construction company. And he's trying to put in into perspective for us. He's like, I have to have like on Monday morning, $2 million in the business bank account to make it to Friday. 
Yeah. And it, it it's it's a cash flow nightmare essentially, it but it's is. just you you have to do it. And it it puts it's always, you know, the subcontractor that gets put in that middleman, like you said, when you're trying to go buy uh pipe. Yeah. And it, it, it makes sense though, because they're like, Yeah, you, you gotta pay for it. Mm-hmm. But then you can't build the GC. So it's uh that puts you in a really tough spot. I mean, is it Dude, it's like, how do you, like you said, a line of credit helps. I think a, a lot of people I've talked to say they have a good line of credit and that really helps front it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you probably can't get too excited when that money comes comes in. No, because you got to pay your line of credit off. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. So it's, I mean, which that money you have to bill for what the invoices are. So it's not like you're, you're not out anything, right? right. The material's there, the material's done. You forget about it until you start putting it in the ground. You yeah. Know, it's so. it's a time it's timing, right? Yeah. And that's it's all timing. And I think a lot of people overlook that, you know, mm-hmm. with you're just kind of always dealt a bad hand. But if you can time it right or get it is time. Good, it is yeah. Time. yeah, it is because like from what we're seeing right now, there's a there's a pretty big constraint on the industry as far as like receivables and payables right now. Like there's projects, well, we sign our contracts and a lot of them are like a net 40, but then they put paid upon paid, which is, you know, right. which is fine. It's not the general contractor will never float the project for the owner. It's the right. owner's right. job to pay. Right. So as a subcontractor to the general, you're kind of going to get shit on a little bit. It's just how it's designed. You know, say Kate, 40 days comes up after that billing cycle. Well, we haven't gotten paid yet. We, you know, we're, but we still got to keep moving forward. And so you think you almost have to have like three months of expenses, Mm -hmm. like in your account in order to keep operating. Interesting. Is what we've seen. Man. And that just scales up and yeah. Dialing in your expenses of like, how much is this going to be? And it's, it's probably very difficult for a lot of people to see that kind of money sitting in there, but knowing yeah. And knowing you, you can't yeah. do anything and you shouldn't do anything with it because it's like, this is going to happen. Correct. And it will. And it it will. will. It'll always get you at the worst times too. Speaking of timing. That was a great uh, transition. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it will. Cause Cole and I experienced this many times this year to where we get our receivables, you know, like I was talking earlier, some of them were, we haven't gotten paid for 90 days on them. Mm. You know, you can't just stop the project. You can probably halt. But you want to maintain a good relationship like we were talking about earlier, Luke. You you don't have a business unless you have a good reputation. And so we want to uphold our reputation and it kind of sucks, but that's what you got to do. Yeah. So yeah. then, um, which I'm sure you've dealt with this, uh, when it goes south and you can't get paid or, mm-hmm. you know, would it be like the GC closing its doors or the owner can't pay the GC or what happens in like that worst case scenario? just kind of fucked on it. There's, there's clauses in contracts, like what you can do, you know, but a lot of the general contractors now we'll see, like, if we aren't able to get paid, you can't come after us. Right. Cause it's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're being hired as well. You know, you can put a lien on the property with the owner or whatever, you know, and that's how you can eventually get paid, but you won't see that for a long time. You know, so there's not a lot of protection for the subcontractors, it's, it's a lot of trust in the industry. And that's where you really kind of want to vet the contractors that you work for too. Hmm. So here's another question then, 
uh, brand new GCs. Like, I feel like we don't talk about that a lot. Um, what does that look like? If you have the new guy in the block that has a new, is a new GC, like, how do you go about working for them? New G- We've worked for a lot of new GCs this year. And a lot of the time they stem from already operating under a general contractor. So they understand how things work. Yep. You know, you see them take things more like to heart to where okay. they really invest themselves into the project. And that project is theirs compared to, you know, a bigger contracting company where you have your PM in your suit that it's like, Hey, this is the way it is. Sorry. You know, we're, we're doing our best for you to where if it was, you know, the newer guy or, you know, the, the new GC, they're going to probably be a lot more emotional and they're going to try to help you out that the best they, the best they can, you know? So we, we like working with the newer GCs because they're, they're more than willing to try to help. They're more than willing to, you know, help get things processed faster and things like yeah. that. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like if you can, you know, even get to know the people behind the company and mm. the people at the front desk, the people that process the checks, like all that yep. stuff that, any little bit I'm sure can help because they've got a whole long list of subs and vendors and people to pay. And so if you can just edge yourself up there a little bit, it'll, right. it'll help. Oh, big time. And it's, I mean, it's having respect for their business too. You know, yep. you gotta, yep. you got, you can't look desperate, which is the worst part, even though it's tough going, you know, say it's 45 days without seeing a check. It's your responsibility to operate your business. You yeah. you signed up for this. You know what you're getting yourself into. You know, if you took on a project too big for your boots, you're going to have to figure out a way to make it work. That's just how it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, that goes a good point into diversifying a bit of mm-hmm. not having all your eggs in this one basket. And right. if this doesn't work, we're gone. We're done right. for. And, you know, a lot of these bigger projects, especially as you get into commercial, like, it probably will be a lot of that, but when times are good, you know, doing your best to diversify a bit of your, your company and your services and, and your revenue, like, where is it all coming from? If it's one person and you're just waiting on that and you need it to be Monday, it, uh, it's going to be very, very tough. It's tough. And it wears on a guy. That's for yeah. sure. There's, there's been times this summer where Cole and I are like, we better see a check Monday. You know, yeah. we, we've been in that situation, but Thankfully, we've we've been able to make everything work and keep moving forward. And like I said, it's just getting creative yeah. on how to how to make things work within your business. Right. Well, and especially with with growth too, I feel like it's you're especially susceptible to that. Um, you haven't had the bankroll yet to to catch oh. up in the the equity in equipment, and it um, probably makes it a little bit tougher being new, scaling up quick, and uh, trying to bankroll that big time. Big time to where, you know, yeah, I mean, when you, anybody can go buy equipment, right? But it's understanding the cost of that equipment, understanding that you're going to have to float this, you're going to have to float materials, you're going to have to float payroll on top of that equipment. So you might be able to afford the monthly payment, right? Mm -hmm. But can you afford everything else that goes along with it? Trying to get into these bigger projects. Man. It's something to think about, you know, and it's it's not talked about a lot. It's almost kind of like, I don't know why it's so quiet about these topics, but I mean, I get it too. People have to experience for themselves because I, sure. could, I, I could tell somebody all of our experiences, they'd be like, oh, that sucks. It sounds like maybe you have some problems within your business until they actually physically sit in the seat. They'll have yeah. no idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, that's fine too. You're not there to run their business. So nope. it, um, you got to, and that's, that's another thing you as a subcontractor have to look out for your business, Yeah, right? Your business is number one. Absolutely. You, you have to look out for yourself. Yep. I, I love that. It's, as, and you can still be a great human being. You can still be very, very nice and genuine yep. and generous, uh, but you got to look out for yourself, your business and your people that work within your business. Um, 100%. Yeah, I think sometimes that's overlooked too. And then you get screwed over real quick and it's like, dang, I had my my heart in the wrong place there. 100%. And I mean, great lessons to learn when that does happen. They suck, yeah. they stink. Just move on. You know, learn from it and keep going. Never waste a failure, right? No, nope, never waste a failure. I love that one. That one's a good one. That's yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I little look into retention, little look into, you know, a little bit deeper side of the commercial side and what goes on with it. Obviously more of a rant topic tonight, but if anybody has questions as far as, you know, the retained side too, and how you can maybe make things work, you know, let us know. I'm more than happy to talk on it because I had to learn fast. Cole and I both had to learn fast this year. Yeah, dude, that was brilliant. Um, I feel like even me sitting here, I'm learning a ton too, and which is the great thing about podcasts, but um, yeah, like if, if anyone has questions, you know, reach out to Luke or just the dirtbags page and, uh, more topics like this, I'd love to dive into, because like you said, a lot of times it's not talked about and we get a lot of great people listening from all over and it can really spring some additional topics that, um, people find themselves in, in situations that, um, if there's a little bit of background, a little bit of context, um, it may help, you know, you never know who it may help. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, man. Sweet. Well, I think I that was a podcast. That was a podcast. That was a good one. We'll, we'll, we'll label that as a rant and uh, we'll talk about black iron at the beginning. And uh, that was a good one. Hell yeah. Well, Luke, I appreciate your time, brother. All right, dude. Talk soon.